the yields have really been surging, which has punished the gold price now down to 1878. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics on a Thursday morning, September 28th, where we are seeing plenty of volatility in the market as the bond market continues to sell off seeing volatility in gold and silver, and we will dig into all of that and more as there is plenty happening out there. Getting a little scary in the bond world as yields have really surged over the past month, but especially since last week's Fed meeting. And with that said, let us begin first by taking a look at silver and gold. Silver now back up a penny on the day, had been close to that $23 mark in the futures chart, although just about a half hour ago, we can see that prices of silver sold off sharply again. Similar pattern in the gold market where didn't really have that spike up, but ahead of first notice day, we see that gold has sold off once again with the futures down to 1878, which continues a really tough week in the gold market. You can see uh, just last Wednesday, gold was up at 1964 following the Fed meeting, although again, as uh, about to touch on in a moment, the yields have really been surging, which has punished the gold price now down to 1878, leaving the futures below the $1,900 level for the first time in quite a while. So both metals continue their sell-off this week in the midst of, as I mentioned, quite increase in yield in the bond market. We can see going back here to early September, yield was at 4.1%. Now up to 463, which again accelerated following last week's Fed meeting where Jerome Powell and the Federal Reserve pushed out their summary of economic projections showing only two rate cuts expected next year, as opposed to the four that had earlier been priced in. And the bond market certainly responding to that. Here is the move index, which simple way of thinking of that is almost like the VIX of the bond market. You can see back here early September, mid-September rather, down at 96 and up to 122 today. Taking a look at the yearly chart, you can see still below levels we've seen earlier this year. Obviously, that here was back during the banking crisis in March and April, got up to 198, but with the way yields are rising out there, certainly could expect to see this go higher in the coming days and weeks. And just putting some of these moves in perspective, since last week's Fed meeting, 10-year yield up 35 basis points, since July, up 60 basis points. And of course, what perhaps is even more concerning is wait until the U.S. issues another trillion in bonds to cover the deficit spending, which shows no signs of letting up. Obviously, we are coming into an election year in just a couple of months, so hard to see these deficits coming down over that time period, especially as the economy continues to weaken. And despite the headline numbers that come out on the jobs report, which are then subsequently revised has happened each month so far this year going to be a lot of pressure on the economy and you would imagine that fiscally we'll see a lot of spending to try and mitigate the effects of that as we head into an election year so can only imagine what 2024 will have in store but one thing that is a high probability is that there is going to be a lot of spending which is, of course, something that is concerning to gold and silver investors, which is why many of us have gone into gold and silver as a hedge against this. So despite what we're seeing in the gold and silver markets this week, doesn't seem to be any let up in that 
coming up in our near future. Here's a note from Tavi Costa that wanted to pass along. Total bloodbath in treasury notes, bonds, and mortgage-backed securities, which accounts for over 80% of the Fed's balance sheet. And if they were using mark-to-mark -mark methodology, the Fed's assets would be reduced by approximately $1 trillion. So the Fed continuing to face losses as interest rates rise. That debt expense that the U.S. is going to be facing continues to rise. So despite Janet Yellen saying that the economy is strong and she does not see any signs of concern, certainly they are out there. And I think a lot of the world is starting to feel that now. Earlier this week, we did have Neil Kashkari out of the Fed saying he sees a 40% chance of meaningfully higher interest rates which the market is now rapidly pricing in. Although perhaps what's concerning is that even with the interest rate hikes that we've seen so far, governments, inflation metrics, still well above that 2% mandate. We will have PCE numbers coming out tomorrow, which is one of the key indicators that the Fed looks at. Although, especially with the tick up in last month's inflation numbers, you can see why interest rates are rising and will probably continue rising as we go forward. Although, of course, one of the problems that that is creating is that it provides further incentive for people to take their money out of bank deposits. You see a note here that $862 billion in bank deposits have been withdrawn from March of 2022 compared to the previous record of $70 billion in the 2008 financial crisis. And obviously, with the higher rates, just providing further incentive for more bank deposits to be withdrawn. We did see the impact of that on the gold and silver market, where not only was there a surge in the futures price back when the banks collapsed in March, but also in the physical demand, and certainly not something that I or I think most people are rooting for to see bank failures, but in terms of a precedent of how gold and silver have responded in that type of environment, you can just look back to what we saw a couple months ago. So at the moment, so far, premiums on gold and silver continue to remain on the lower side. Yet when we talk about this each week with Andy Sheckman of why he sees and I see continued issues in the financial sector, that's just one of the reasons supporting that view. Additionally, a great article out this week from Pam and Russ Martins from Wall Street on Parade, where they mentioned Bank of America's unrealized losses on held to maturity debt securities total $106 billion now. So similar to the Federal Reserve, we're not talking about small numbers anymore. And this was only as of June 30th of this year. So obviously with rates even higher than they were back then, that number would certainly be larger now. So impacts of the higher rates are certainly being felt and affecting the banking sector. So something that you will most certainly want to keep an eye on and we will be commenting on going forward. Now, in terms of how this is all affecting the gold price, there was a great article from Craig Hemke of TF Metals this week, which he put on Sprott Money, which showed the correlation between real interest rates and gold as real interest rates measured on the TIPS, which is the Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. You can see there's been quite a strong correlation going back to 2007 with the TIPS in the blue line and the candlestick chart showing the gold price. Although this has broken down in the past year because as the price of the tips has come down while real interest rates have risen, the correlation that we've seen would have implied a gold price of perhaps even below $1,000. And as I mentioned earlier, obviously we're still up above 1,800, just below 1,900 as of today. And when talking about why that has broken down, keep in mind that with the gold price, while it's not a physically backed one-to-one -one market, 
as the price goes lower, there are countries that are buying. We've talked plenty about the central bank demand that has occurred over the past year and a half that has put a bid in the gold market and really broken this pattern that we've seen for quite a while, which is indicative of the demand that there is out there for gold. Obviously, things not ideal in the world. And in the midst of all of this, we have the BRICS that continue their de-dollarization efforts, along with the gold buying that has been going on in China that has led to increased premiums there, as evidenced by world gold holdings reaching a record high. So Again, I know it's been a very tough market for people invested in gold and silver, certainly the mining stocks, although given the rate increases that we've seen, the fact that gold's still near 1900 still and silver just below the $23 mark, given the size and speed of the rate hikes that we've seen in the past year and a half, perhaps it's not altogether the worst thing that gold and silver prices are where they are right now. I know a lot of people, myself included, feel that based on all the money that's been injected into the system following 2008, certainly following 2020, that gold and silver prices would be a bit higher based on that alone. Although if you look back to a, a year ago from now where gold and silver were really plunging, gold below 1800 silver below $18, to see them at the levels where they are today, while perhaps not something to go out and celebrate, again, also not necessarily the worst position we could be in. Now, in terms of those gold premiums, there was a tweet here from London Paul of the Sirius Report, who we've had on the show several times over the past couple of years, and we'll reach out to get him back onto the show soon because certainly he's lived in China, understands the Chinese market pretty well, and I'd like to read this one because I think it will be insightful, especially given the premiums that we've seen going on there. And he mentions, with respect to the yuan, the PBOC supports the yuan by telling state-owned banks to sell dollars and buy yuan and vice versa if the yuan is too strong. Comments surrounding the collapse of the yuan is nonsense. China allowed the yuan to weaken to the upper band so that there's trade surplus would increase in yuan terms. And quite simply, $1 billion is now worth 7.3 billion yuan instead of 6.4 billion yuan. In terms of gold buying, the Chinese people are always encouraged to hold gold. There was an initiative set up recently whereby Chinese people could set up an account which holds gold and yuan and is highly flexible in terms of removing yuan, having physical delivery, holding gold in storage, and buying and selling gold with yuan deposit in this account. That's something Vince Lancey mentioned a couple months ago back on the show where they were linking the ability to purchase gold in savings account. Back to Paul, he mentions, what we're witnessing in China is true price discovery with respect to gold and silver based on physical demand versus physical supply. The gold markets operate on a one-to-one -one basis, so a contract for one ounce is fully backed by an ounce. In terms of silver, China's imported 20,000 metric tons in the period from January to August of 2023 for industrial use. This is driving premiums of 10% east and west are no import restrictions. You get to deal with FX issues and pay import duties around 4 to 10%. China's internal gold and silver markets are transacted in yuan only, and that is a legal requirement. To put this in context, China has been sucking gold out of the West for over a decade. Two and a half year period from 2012, a thousand metric tons of gold was shipped to China and Hong Kong for 30 consecutive months. So that's 30,000 metric tons in total. At the moment, the arbitrage of $100 per ounce of gold is not a viable transaction, largely due to import duties. That could change if the arbitrage increases. As ever, gold and silver prices are highly manipulated in the West. There's a concerted effort underway to unravel the short positions, particularly in silver. 
bottom line is demand for gold and silver in China is huge currently. It's not a reflection of the perception of the currency. Back in 2016, China was going to introduce a gold-backed yuan. Yes, they can easily do that, but backed off due to U.S. threats. They're no longer an issue. Factor that into our understanding. And that was something that we talked about in our last conversation, where he did talk about how in 2016, China was actually looking into going back to a gold-backed yuan yet was pressured by the U.S. who said they would consider that an act of war. So interesting to see these premiums coming shortly after the BRICS meeting in August. I've heard people speculate that the timing of that may not necessarily be a coincidence and only makes you wonder what Putin would be sitting there thinking in the position he's in after facing the sanctions and seeing weakness in some of these Western economies. And again, that's just speculation on my part, but can only wonder what he's thinking, where certainly this would be an opportunity and a means to respond. So wanted to pass that along. Again, you can find Paul at The Serious Report on Twitter, and we will look forward to catching up with him again soon. Obviously, he always has plenty to say about these markets. Another note that came out and has been going around since yesterday, it's now even Costco is storing gold and says it's one ounce gold bars are real and have been selling out in hours. So not saying this is reflective of overall gold demand yet. Interesting that even Costco is storing gold. They have had a limit of two ounces per member, although they're selling out what they have quickly. And hopefully they'll get some silver in store in the near future. But just an interesting note that came out yesterday. In terms of Indian demand, we did have some updated numbers from India here you can see that the gold demand has picked up relative to last year. Blue bar is showing the 2023 figures where you can see for the last three months, especially back here in June, some sizable gold imports. Fortunately, on the silver side, we continue to see a big drop off from last year. Blue bars in 2023 compared to what ended up being a record setting year in 2022 for Indian silver. So India traditionally known as a price sensitive buyer. So I would imagine if we see the silver price dip lower, we would see those Indian imports pick up. But at least at the current levels, we're seeing that continuation of a big drop off in demand. Over on the COMEX, note from the last couple of days, we did see the big transfer from JP Morgan from their eligible into registered at that brought the registered stockpile up to over 44 million ounces. Five million of those ounces have been withdrawn in the past two days, bringing us down to 37. And if we back out to the five-year chart here, again, here you can see where we were at Silver Squeeze, over 150 million ounces. Came back down into the 30s late 2022, and really for the past nine or 10 months have stayed in that range, have gone under 30 a couple of times, went back up a few times as well, up to over 40 recently, but now back down to 37 million ounces. So on the lower end of the range, you're taking a look at the long-term chart. You can see there were two periods back in 2011 and 2016 when these numbers were lower. So while we're not on the verge of running out of silver today, again, we see this remaining at the lower end of that range. Although over in Mexico, we did get some numbers for Mexican silver production. And you can see the last two months, a big drop off. And that was also during the time when the Penasquito mine run by Newmont, which produced 32 million ounces of silver last year, has been on strike. One of the factors at play, again, as we've talked about quite a bit, 
Silver Institute showed a 237 million ounce deficit last year. We have seen some mine shutdowns so far this year. So along with overall strong demand at the retail bullion shops has not been perhaps consistently strong demand as we've seen a lot of volatility, big months of demand back in March of April has come in since then. Although as of last check with Andy Sheckman, the Miles Franklin is on pace to do more silver sales than last year. And certainly if we do have banking issues before the end of the year, could see that number going up quite a bit. And one last note that did mention uh, that came out last week is that First Majestic has opened a minting facility. And one of their goals with that is to increase the amount of silver that they're selling directly to the market. Last year, they sold 440,000 ounces of silver direct to customers, although Keith Newmeyer mentions in time, our goal is to sell 100% of the silver that they produce directly to the physical markets. So certainly a positive step as that would decrease the amount that is going into the bullion banking system. And you can find out more about some of the products that First Majestic has here at the First Majestic Bullion Store. Link to that is in the description field below. Personal favorite of mine is the 10 gram silver cubes that come in a set of 27. Fortunately sold out at the moment, although hopefully with the launch of their new mint facility, they'll be able to produce more of those. And I thank First Majestic Silver for sponsoring today's show and bringing you the news that is going on. Hope you found that one helpful. I'm going to wrap up for now, but we will see you again tomorrow with Rafi's Weekly Silver Report.